Motopod, proudly supported by Roadskin, a UK label specializing in protective outerwear for motorcyclists. Modern biker clothing that you can wear all day long and engineered to save your skin. For the road, for life, visit roadskin.co.uk. Saturday the 18th at the Sale International Circuit. Delighted to be sat here with Lucio Tuccinella. Lucio, uh, welcome back on to the show. Just to jog your memory, the last time you spoke to Motopod was at the test session here in 2018. Wow. And you spoke with Martin Darlington. You might remember he's the helicopter pilot. <laughs> I remember. I yeah? remember and uh, absolutely it was, uh, was a fantastic uh, moment to meet him because, uh, of course, we have in common the same passion about racing motorcycles and, yes. uh, and uh, airplane, aircraft, helicopters. I, <laughs> I also like. Yeah, yeah. So we're sitting here in this magnificent new paddock complex at the Sale International Circuit. And may I start by taking you back to 1993 when you were, as a rider, of course, made your debut in the World Championship. Tell me, how much has this place changed in terms of the organisation, the logistics? It's a different world now. Tell us what it was like before. Uh, yes, definitely. Is, uh, the championship changed uh, massively, uh, dramatically. Um, this is thanks to... To the important effort that uh, Dorna, together with the International Motorcycle Federation, have done, uh, including uh, all the sponsors, supporters, and workers. At the beginning uh, of the 90s, uh, early 90s, Dorna just arrived, you know, and uh, they made a quite important uh, change uh, every year in terms of uh, paddock organization. Uh, in terms of a paddock presentation, in terms of uh, team uh, presentations, you know, everything has improved in a more professional way. Uh, of course, maybe there are some um, someone that can have his own opinion and say, "Ah, oh, no, you know, it's too much elite. Uh, the paddock of the '90s or the '80s were better." But you know, this is a kind of a normal evolution that the motorcycle racing. Uh, have made a normal evolution and uh, I think also to attract more important sponsors and uh, investors and manufacturers this is the right way. Let's come up to date with the 2023 season it's been for LCR I guess a season of big highs and some lows as well we had Alex Rins of course taking the sensational win back in Texas and then unfortunately for everybody suffering that terrible leg injury in Mugello. If you could use a single word, what would be your summation word for this 2023 season? <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> a nightmare, okay. Now, honestly, we had two different, completely different um, uh, feelings because in reality, you know, when we, we won in in the United States, we were saying, wow, we, you know, that's going to be a really great year, you know, because... Mm. Uh, Alex uh, looks like he, he likes Honda, uh, looks like, uh, you know, he dramatically improved uh, from one race to the other, you know. And then uh, what happened in, uh, in Mugello, 
was something that uh, completely unexpected. We knew that it was a serious injury, but we couldn't imagine that the, the injury would have uh, left him uh, out until the, practically the last uh, race of the year. I mean, looks like he will retry again in Valencia, but we don't know yet. He has to do under a medical check on next Monday, and then yeah. we see. Yeah, I mean, from my, my personal standing, the biggest frustration ever, really, is what happened to Alex. I mean, Alex Rins is my favourite rider in yeah. this championship and has been for many, many years. So, how, from a development point of view, uh, I know LCR is not HRC, but from a development point of view, I'm sure Alex was going to provide a lot of major feedback to Honda. So, how much of a frustration is that we've missed this opportunity in this single year? Definitely, definitely is a big frustration for all of us, including for Honda. We were really pleased when uh, Alex joined Honda, including also Johan Mir joined Honda because they came from different manufacturers and uh, they pointed out immediately a few things regarding uh, the basically the, the electronics, the, the, the filter of the electronics between the throttle and the, the rear tire. Mm -hmm. They really push Honda to go on a different direction let's say more uh, with less control less electronic control and having more direct uh, response from the throttle to the rear tire interesting and um, perhaps uh, we realized thanks to their uh, comments we realized that we were maybe going to a way that it wasn't really the, the, the perfect way to recover from the competitors and then uh, we were supposed to continue to work with Rins through the season uh, to judge uh, chassis, aero package and also other uh, items, development items and uh, unfortunately Alex uh, couldn't race so our season were really 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 affected. Yeah now on a kind of related point but going back to talking about the team again can you tell us a little bit about the well I was going to use the word joy but I'm sure massive stress pressure is involved in running a MotoGP team for example uh, LCR have been very famous uh, in their very creative approach to getting sponsorship for example so what's your approach in the season um, Kind of what's your sales pitch for LCR when you come up with all these different brands at different races sometimes, maybe more in the past than this year, but how is running the Grand Prix team in this modern era? It's a um, big challenge, of course. It's a big challenge. More and more is uh, important the support of the manufacturer. The truth is that uh, Ducati is uh, supporting their own uh, satellite teams. KTM... Aprilia and Honda do the same with us. Uh, without the manufacturer support, I think uh, that uh, no one, no satellite team here can uh, imagine to find uh, the budget we, we need to, to perform at such a high level. The lack of the performances, of course, affected the, the sponsor, uh, sponsor's uh, motivation. So during the year we needed to, I don't want to say the work double, but we worked really hard to improve our hospitality services, our participation and creation of promotional contents, events. We really did a lot of off-track work in order to compensate the lack of the results and uh, last but not least I would like to say that uh, we are very pleased to be associated with Honda because uh, despite uh, 
we are in a tough period. The reality is that we are sponsored, we are supported by motorcycle uh, accessories companies. And the fact to be associated to the absolute number one constructor in the world who is able to sell about 20 million units per year is definitely a big asset to keep the sponsor motivated to be associated with LCR because of course the redundancy of the promotion, the publicity that Honda themselves they are doing with us using our riders images, using our bike images and promoting yeah. our own sponsor it definitely helpful. Now you've signed Jan uh, Zarco for 2024 and initially, well, when the news about Mark Marquez came along, there was some speculation that Joanne may go across to Repsol, but can you tell us from your point of view the necessity to have him in LCR, both in terms of riding and results, of course, but perhaps also from that marketing standpoint, because I'm sure you already have big plans in terms of focusing who you're chasing for sponsorship money around having a French rider now coming to the team. Well, the choice of Zarco was quite natural, in fact, because uh, when uh, we been noticed by Alex Rins that uh, he would have moved, he would have accepted the, the uh, Yamaha offer, which is quite understandable, you know, there was a, he, he had an offer from a manufacturer, and yeah. also, it is not a secret, they already been in contact end of last year, when uh, he, he didn't have any any team, you know, he, he was uh, approached by Yamaha, but then at the end Yamaha decided to, to stick and to fulfill the contract with uh, Morbidelli. Yeah. So basically we knew it, but then when Alex decided to leave the LCR Honda, then uh, definitely we had a big problem. And then when we realized that uh, Zarco would have had uh, only one year contract, we approached him uh, offering a two years contract mm -hmm. plus an option for the third year. And then uh, from that point, he started to understand that, uh, sure, he's going to have a big challenge to make uh, Honda faster and more competitive. On the other hand, uh, he could ensure himself a longer career. And we decided to get him uh, together with HRC because he has a tremendous experience, massive experience in MotoGP yeah. with uh, KTM, with uh, Ducati and uh, it will definitely be an asset for uh, Honda and LCR. In fact you kind of have a dream team coming next year if uh, the story about Marini coming to Honda is true as well so it's an exciting new period for, for Honda and for HRC with these different riders coming with all this different experience so I'm sure you must be very confident going forward. I know Honda is in a difficult moment but everybody expects Honda to come back because uh, Honda never stays down for very long. So are you excited for next year with the, the changes in the HRC Repsol Honda team as well? Of course. Personally, we are uh, all the team. We are not happy to lose Mark because Mark is a big champion, big talent, and definitely is uh, very, very interesting for us every time to look at uh, his uh, performance uh, study his riding style uh, outside of the track uh, looking is the way how he ride the bike uh, on uh, on videos and also ultimately also look at his data mm -hmm. is a record that recording and it will be a big loss but um, the fact that uh, young uh, competitive rider like uh, 
Luca Marini or Gian Antonio, I don't know who is going to, to get the right. No, it's not official yet. <laughs> not official yet. Uh, but, you know, it's, um, it's good because uh, Zarco has a lot of experience, as well those riders has less experience but come from a winning manufacturer. And I think that they will strongly influence Honda on the way, the direction they Honda need to go to, to get back uh, to the top. To the top, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a couple of things to finish up because uh, I know Irene has me on a tight, no, uh, no tight time scale here. Um, in terms of this year's uh, schedule, we're getting attacked by flies as well, which is not very helpful to the interview. But um, this year's schedule, uh, Lucho, has been obviously the busy, Sorry, tell me, uh, the, this year's schedule. Yeah. It's been the most punishing one ever. We obviously had the sprint races as well. So, on a human level, for you and for the members of the team. Do you think we're at the limit with 22 races on the 2024 <laughs> calendar? Yes, I think we are, uh, we are in the limit. By my side, uh, I can say that, uh, first of all, you do this job only if you have a, a true passion for racing. Because yeah. if you wouldn't have a passion, I think that uh, no one uh, would do it for... Just a job. <laughs> just a job, uh, you know, okay, maybe... The salary of the workers are a little bit higher than a normal uh, worker uh, at home, but at the very end uh, you must have uh, definitely a big passion. So I feel uh, lucky because all my team has a big passion for this job, for racing. By the way, we are uh, definitely concerned about, uh, for instance, uh, three races in a row. Maybe a little bit too much. Definitely, we are a little bit concerned uh, about, uh, you know, maybe next year we are going to have more tests because uh, with the concession points, new rule, perhaps we will have also the possibility to test and then definitely we need to take this opportunity. So means that it's going to be a tough year, a long year. By my side, I will do my maximum to keep the guys uh, happy as much as I can, uh, trying to make their flights more uh, comfortable, try to make uh, their stay in the hotel more comfortable, trying to push IRTA to open the paddock uh, a little bit later than normal, because this would be helpful. Is there a cost cap in MotoGP? No. Nothing. Is that something that's being discussed among the teams in terms of maybe needing to have some more people that you can rotate? I think that uh, rotating people is something that uh, we can consider, but uh, it's going to be a little bit delicate because, uh, you know, if you want to perform, you need uh, to create a very, very strong bond between uh, all the workers. Yeah. And then uh, it's not easy to change workers and, you know, to keep the feeling. And then also the key people, the key engineers need to be there anyway. And this wouldn't be fair, you know. So I think that, uh, yes, is something that we, where we are at the moment with 22 races, we are imagining. (laughs) Okay, just a few uh, light-hearted things to finish. Tell us about your memories of 2006, which was the first year for LCR in the MotoGP Championship. And of course you had a certain rookie rider that year called Casey Stoner. What is your memory of that, uh, that particular year? The particular memory, I have, uh, I have many, many things to let impress me. 
one of the biggest memory I have is our first race ever in MotoGP. It was here in Qatar, 2006. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I think it was uh, early April 2006. We spent him uh, arriving. He asked to arrive in Qatar uh, on Wednesday evening because he wanted to stay one more day at home with the family and the, the girlfriend. Unfortunately, there was a kind of uh, strike in, in Australia, so he missed his flight. Then he, he flew the next morning, but then uh, he lost the coincidence, so he had to sleep in Dubai airport uh, in the floor. <laughs> he landed at 9.15, uh, I think, 9.20. On Friday morning, at 10 o'clock we had the practice, I grab him from the airport, I drive here, here till here at maximum speed. It, while he was uh, putting his leather, uh, my colleague Elisa was uh, giving him uh, a coffee. He put the leather, he never saw the racetrack, never. He went on track at the end of the FP1, first uh, chrono, so fastest than everybody. And then pole position. A little uh, hint of what was to come <laughs> later so, on. So <laughs> we were like, well, we just arrived in MotoGP, pole position in Qatar, you know, and then we, we were like, wow. And then we missed the podium for a couple of tens, and definitely we realized that uh, we had a true champion in our end. We knew because he raced with us in the 250, in the 125, again in the 250. We did second place in the 250, but definitely we, we knew that uh, he was a really strong rider. Lucio, you were yourself a very, very fast and successful uh, motorcycle racer. Have you ever ridden one of the MotoGP bikes? No, because uh, I asked Honda a couple of times, but um, I understood that they weren't really keen. And also, I fully understand, I fully realize that a MotoGP bike is uh, super expensive and uh, we cannot uh, take out energies and, uh, and, and, and also cost for just my personal pleasure. Mm. So, to tell the truth, I, I had to buy an RCBS, which is the street version of the yeah. MotoGP machine. Yeah. It's not really a MotoGP bike. I mean, it's, it's a MotoGP bike from 2014, yeah. uh, because this is the project. but. Then uh, he was doing. Uh, I use the RCBS when uh, when I do some track day. Okay, so and you I still really like you still do that? You yeah, still yeah. Do track... I do about um, four or five days on track every every year. Yeah, this is not very much, but uh, this is what I can do, and uh, when I do, I, I really enjoy. And this year, I, I had the chance to try the three-cylinder 500 uh, Honda NS. NS. Oh, wow from uh, the 84, used by Raymond Roche, and it was uh, an amazing, uh, amazing experience. I, sometimes when I'm talking to people like you that were racing in the, let's say, 80s or 90s, I often ask the question, just purely, two-stroke or four-stroke, what, is, what <laughs> is it for you? I think it's... Two-stroke. Yes, I... <laughs> two-stroke, stroke because it's definitely a more... Uh, I don't know, I mean, the engine, I love the engine, I love the mechanic uh, of the two-stroke, I, uh, I love the sound, I love the smell, yeah. Yeah. and uh, yes, it's, uh, it's something that uh, for me is, is very special because it belongs to my era, but uh, of course the world uh, changed, the four-stroke engines are uh, much, much uh, less pollution, pollution, pollution. Yeah. 
and definitely we need to respect the environment and we need to keep pushing making uh, our motorsport activity like uh, one of the best platform to develop uh, cleaner engines yeah. so definitely and we have the synthetic fuel synthetic coming. fuel so yeah. let's go ahead uh, with the first stroke yeah 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 and my last question it's one that i like to ask again people that have been around for a long long time if you could choose any bike from history any race bike from history and you could ride it on any track from history what combination would you choose uh, I would choose uh, I would like to to test uh, NSR 500 uh, two-stroke uh, from the era of uh, Wayne Garner Eddie Lawson that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah definitely on, on which track um, if you could choose any track from history from history I would like uh, I would say Mugello, yes. Of course. When you won your uh, race in your final season, I I recall. Yeah, when I won my last race, yeah. Well, Lucio, I hope that's been an interesting few questions, not all hopefully too boring things. A few interesting things from your history. Thank uh, you very much. Thank you to you and to Irene for helping to organise it. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. For me too. Really delighted and honoured to be with Paolo Giabatti, Sporting Director for Ducati Lenovo MotoGP team. Paolo, I have one question. Yep. Here we are again at the end of a long season, mm-hmm. uh, very close to the end, and it's a very tight championship position again this, for Peko. Yep. Do you enjoy this? What is it like for you? Is it stressful or is it pure mm-hmm. enjoyment? Because I know you're a motorsport nut. So Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, there is obviously some tension, but on the other side, I think it has been a fantastic season. I think uh, it's between... Two Ducati riders, so Ducati is already Riders World Champion, not only Manufacturer World Champion, so we can only be happy about that. Obviously, you know, if you look a little bit uh, what happened during the season, for sure, Pecos crash in uh, Barcelona and uh, luckily no fracture, but, you know, obviously it was really influencing that part of the season. I think Barcelona and Misano, there were two tracks where he was thinking he could obviously uh, win the race or try to win the race, but... All in all, lucky that, you know, that horrible accident didn't have more serious consequences. And here we are. Obviously, on the other side, we saw Jorge incredibly fast, incredibly fast uh, always, especially in the sprint race. And, uh, well, what can I say? We are on the same bikes, same specs of bikes. We both are factory riders for Ducati because they have factory contracts. And uh, let's see. I mean, I think uh, let's uh, enjoy until the end. Obviously, it's a nice position to be with having two Ducatis. Only, as you say, one will win, uh, as opposed to last year where you were fighting yeah. another manufacturer. So I guess that makes it more enjoyable from your point yeah. of view, although perhaps it also creates some other tensions and some other problems. Well, it's been a fantastic season. I mean, yeah. well, I think it's, uh, it's a problem that uh, many other manufacturers would like to have. <laughs> uh, I think uh, if Marco gains five points on Binder, Bezzecchi, then he will be mathematically third in the championship, and then Ducati will be... Uh, first, second, and third in the Riders' Championship never happened in Ducati history. I think we must go back to 2003 when Honda had uh, the five-cylinder in uh, MotoGP in the first season, and it was uh, uh, Rossi, Gibernau, Biaggi, I think. Yes. But, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. So it never happened in Ducati history. So I think we have many things to celebrate. Obviously, 
It's going to be some tension because it's always like this, but I think it also makes it more enjoyable for the spectators. And um, we all think it's going to be at the last round in Valencia where the title will be decided. I mean, I hope so, because it's always nice to have it, but maybe it's not so nice for no, you. No, but, but most likely it's going to be like this. And as I said, <laughs> you know, obviously the factory team is uh, willing to repeat uh, the performance of last year, the victory of last year on the other side, as I said, Pramac did a fantastic job. They will be the world champions for teams. Normally, an independent team is looking for an independent team title. This year is going to be for them to be the world champions. So they will get the FIM award as the best team. I mean, a few points to be scored here during the weekend. So, as I said, we can always only be happy. And uh, obviously, we'll see who is the best rider in the end. It's going to be about speed and about also how you can manage the stress because it's going to be a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is that both Peko and Jorge, they are they know each other since a long time. They respect each other. So obviously, uh, they will be fighting until the end, but uh, it's always been a, a clean, nice uh, uh, battle between them, which is the most important thing. And I must just say to close, because uh, you've been very kind to give me some time. For me and for Motorpod, we talk about it often, how much respect we have for Ducati, the mm-hmm. brand, to allow all of the satellite operations to have very, very high level equipment so that we arrive at this position where you have this battle mm-hmm. going on. And it's great respect and amazing work from Ducati over the years. So it's well deserved. Yeah, we came a long way from 2013, where we were going nowhere, until where we are now, obviously, to see that all the teams and all the riders can be very fast on the Ducatis, either a new model or the previous year models, the performances you can see are very similar. And obviously we have this policy to share data between all the eight riders and their engineers. So obviously it's creating a situation where, you know, anyone can get the best out of uh, his talent and the material. And uh, and as I said, it's uh, it has been our policy. It's um, helping us to gather more information and uh, to develop even more the bikes. On the other side, obviously, it creates a situation where you are the factory team competing with a factory-supported team on the same material, yeah. and uh, maybe it's keeping the interest in the championship in the moment when somehow the other manufacturer, maybe with exception of KTM, are not constantly yes. fighting for the top positions. Yeah, well, we applaud you for uh, bringing the championship to this very high level because it's been fantastic to watch. And uh, thank you for your time, and we wish you uh, good luck this weekend. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Paolo. Davide Tardozzi, uh, a legend of the sport with Ducati. I have one question for you, Davide. Um, from where do you get your motivation and your incredible levels of energy to do this year after year? Yeah, because it's, uh, it's not my job, it is my hobby. So you, you, you follow your hobbies and uh, I'm lucky that uh, in my life uh, my hobby became my work. So that's why it's easy. And when you come to the end of another season in a tight championship battle again this year, it's uh, not as stressful for you. It's just a pleasure to be here and doing yeah, this job yeah. year on year. Like every year since 40 years, uh, every end of the season, I'm saying uh, is is time to retire. Is too much. Is uh, then after one month, I'm looking to the luggage uh, to leave uh, my house and go to the rest. So <laughs> well, continue. Thank you for yeah. talking to us. Thank, Thank you. you. Good luck today. So I'm sitting here with uh, Francesco Guidotti, team manager of KTM. MotoGP, is it the correct title? Red Bull KTM Factory. Red Bull KTM Factory, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Francesco, uh, can you sum up for me a little bit? We're coming towards the end of a very long, gruelling 2023 season. 
seems that KTM started very strong, maybe dipped a little bit in the middle part of the season and is now coming very strong again. How do you sum up the progress of the team this season? No, it's clearly a positive season. Uh, we start uh, quite good. Then, uh, considering results, we never we never give up. I mean, uh, we were when we were out of the of the podium, we were anyway close to to it. So yeah. we have to consider the gap more than uh, more than the position. And uh, with Brad, we always been uh, very competitive and uh, with Jack uh, I was expecting a slower a slower start of the season instead of a mid uh, <laughs> mid uh, yes. season but we know with a new bike uh, it's a uh, circumstances can make uh, the, the difference but anyway uh, for sure it's a it's a positive uh, and um, and a good progression during the during the year uh, we reduced the gap uh, from last year quite a lot mm-hmm. so now start to be more difficult because the last part of the gap is uh, the, the most difficult to, to close but yeah uh, important to be constantly on uh, on top and uh, understand uh, where we can uh, we can improve and I'm only meant to be asking you one question but just as a kind of uh, addition to that thought that you had with a modern MotoGP bike Obviously, you have crazy electronics in there. You have aerodynamic devices all over the bodywork. You have uh, devices lowering the front and the back and so on. And everything has to work together in harmony. This seems to me to be an area where KTM has really made a lot of progress this year to the point where maybe it's very, very close now to the Ducati. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, mean, obviously, in, there's always in, more to do. In, but... in part, in part, because uh, I think also on the chassis side, we made a big change uh, and uh, in, in terms of uh, setup and also then uh, material because, because then we, we yeah. move to the to the new chassis. So um, yeah, we develop a lot uh, the aero, the chassis, uh, not only uh, the engine. We know that is uh, is frozen, is frozen. So yeah, I mean we have to recover everywhere a little bit, and uh, we pushing hard. And uh, last thing, promise the, the one. <laughs> <laughs> Are you happy with where the team is at now or a bit frustrated? You, obviously, you want to be further forward. You want to be winning the championship. But are you satisfied overall? We're we, we not happy because we will be happy when we, we will win constantly. But we are satisfied where, of the progress we, we've done. Great. Well, good to talk to you. Thank you for allowing Thank me you. to grab you for five minutes. And uh, yeah, good luck this weekend. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Raslan, uh, yes. RNF team. Thank you for seeing me at short notice. Uh, Very kind of you. I have one main question for you. Um, So this year you're running, obviously, the Aprilia bikes. And in the early part of the season, Miguel, sitting over there, was looking very strong. And Raul was perhaps finding it more difficult, taking more time to adapt to the bike. And as the season has progressed, they've kind of changed places a little bit. So do you have any thoughts about, from a rider's point of view, what the different respective performance of the two guys has been? Well, I think number one, we have to remember that this is both riders' first year on the RSGP. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's number one. And it's also Aprilia's first year having an independent team. Our rookie year with Aprilia. Yep. 
although they Aprilia do give us the support that we need, but to some extent it's not enough. We're asking for more next year. Then with, when it comes to the riders, yes, Miguel is the more established and mature rider with six wins. Yes. Um, and we expect him to be at least top ten. You know, uh, maybe that's a bit too ambitious, but at some point we, we saw he, he can do that. Yes, yeah. Immediately in, 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 in Portimao until that infamous crash. Terrible bad luck yeah. uh, all year long, really. But Correct. Yeah. And then the, again with Fabio, and we saw him achieving fourth places, fifth places up until Nizano. Uh, then situation took a turn in uh, two triple headers. And so the flyways, something went wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could not get the best out of him uh, at the same time there was incidences with the visor problem in Japan etc uh, uh, etc et uh, some technical issue in Rurang with the engine mm-hmm. problem but we always seem to struggle from day one Friday um, so this is something that um, we couldn't pinpoint exactly as to why but at the end of the day, the times that the riders, both riders did uh, last year was their faster. But mm-hmm. then again, all the other riders also step up. It's relentless, isn't it? Correct. It just moves forward all the exactly. time. Well, <laughs> Maybe that's a comfort for, for us, but it's, yeah. it's just a comfort. Still a frustration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, with Raul, it, it didn't start very well. I mean, even in Sepang, he already had a feeling of an umpam and that persisted until just before Le Mans, he did the uh, operation. Yeah. Also, a handful to deal with because he's full of confident, sometimes a bit overconfident, mm-hmm. you know, immediately he wants to, to be there, but we ask him to be step by step, you know, um, but we, we worked on him really well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when he was progressing, he's also hampered by a lot of technical problems with the premium. And that frustrates him uh, a lot, yeah. you know, with exhaust valve problem, uh, uh, technical problem in Malaysia. Um, and, and Aprilia recognized that and apologized for all these um, technical uh, issues and made a commitment that for next year they will have to step up in, in all areas. Because again, the, the weakness from them, it's not a weakness, they are, they are understanding on how to manage a satellite team, yeah. especially the management of spare parts, how, how to replace them, how to produce more, etc. Yeah, yeah. But you must nevertheless be very pleased to see that the timing screens where Raul is concerned, uh, he's getting much faster in the last, or in this second half of the season, let's say. So that must give you big confidence for next year. Yeah, because we believe in him from the very beginning, both uh, Massimo and I. We, I mean, we, we targeted him even when he was in the KTM and I was when we were using the Yamaha and he wanted him also. And when we joined together with Aprilia, we had a common uh, uh, view on the on the riders. Yeah. So it was easier. Yeah, yeah. And we, we believe in him, and also we believe in uh, Miguel as well. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. Well, uh, Razan, thank you so much for no allowing me to doorstep you like that, and uh, for giving me five minutes of your valuable insight. It's no been problem. a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. No problem. Thank you pleasure. Thank you.